Hey everyone, and welcome back to the 2B Canadian podcast, episode three with Toronto-based rocker, singer-songwriter, Marlon Chaplin. I'm really excited to share this episode, and specifically, I want to highlight a couple things we talk about. Uh, Towards the end of the discussion, we dig into the creative process, starting projects, and building an identity for your life and career. Marlon is an absolute workhorse in the Canadian music scene, and he's a staple here in Toronto's music scene. He has an upcoming show on Thursday, May 2nd at the Piston Bar on Bloor Street Rest here in Toronto. Look him up on Spotify under Marlon Chaplin, that is M-A-R-L-O-N-C-H-A-P-L-I-N, Marlon Chaplin. I'll be at the show on the 2nd, so come on out and support Marlon, the hardest working man in Canadian music. You can listen to this episode on Apple Podcasts, uh, the Anchor app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a comment. I hope you enjoy the episode. And thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. I really appreciate everyone's support. I'm having an absolute blast despite having a bit of a cold, which you can probably hear in my voice right now. Um, But thanks so much for listening and stay tuned. More episodes coming out each week. But for this week, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Marlon Chaplin. Marlon Chaplin in the living room studio. Welcome to the show, Marlon. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate you stopping by. Beautiful rainy day here in Toronto, but uh, your favorite kind of day. Yeah, it always feels like something's going to happen. Yeah, indeed, and something is going to happen. We're going to tee up episode three, baby. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, Marlon, today, a little different format than what I've usually been doing. Um, you know, I'm trying a lot of different things, and I think for today, it's just a, a free-form conversation. I, I, I get a couple questions that I usually sort of fall back on in case I get stuck, but we're not going to get stuck. You know, we're I like that confidence. Through. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. Marlon Chaplin, I often refer to him as the hardest working man in Canadian music. What do you think of that title? I think uh, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll fair enough. That. Yeah, you're yeah. into that title? I'm up there. Yeah. I think. I think you're definitely yeah. up there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude's a straight hustler on the scene. Ripping that uh, shiny gold. Yeah, mystery. What, what is that? Sparkle. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah, really you don't know. even know. No. I it, bought it from uh, Songbird. mm which is now defunct, but it used to, uh, it's a music store that used to be on Queen Street, just near Trinity Bellwoods Park. And I remember walking in one day, not intending to buy an instrument. I saw that on the wall and I thought, that's a strange looking guitar, but it's cool. So I took it down, played it, and then it was just, it was a no-brainer after that. It just felt right, it felt like me. And I put a down payment on it, and that was when I was about 16. Nice. Long, I've had that guitar a long time. And you've just been playing that one ever since? That's been my main guitar. Electric. Right. What do you have for an acoustic? You got that old... Is it an old Martin? It's actually an old uh, Guild. Old Guild. Oh, yeah, man. 72 Guild. Love it. All beat up. Yeah. A la Willie Nelson's Trigger guitar. Absolutely. Yeah. Classic. Love it. I got a new Guild that I bought, when I, the one that's outside of the... Yeah, I caught a quick glimpse of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to get my yeah, hands on Yeah, it. you can play that after. Thank you. Yeah, maybe we'll get you mic'd up and we can just have some outro music. Hey, man, I'm done. Yeah, okay, nice. <laughs> um, I bought that when I was 19, though, and really? have basically only played that guitar. Yeah. When you find an instrument that works for you, you there's really no other reason yeah. to play another instrument. Yeah, I don't, I don't even really play electric guitar anymore. No. I miss it. You can rip, man, on, on acoustic. Yeah, thanks. Oh, my yeah. God. 
Yeah, and that's Honestly, that, like dude. that's what I want to do. I, I just want to have that's you know being from the East Coast, you just want to be like so red hot at a kitchen party. Yes, and uh, just flat pick and go at it. That's the way to do it. Well, so those are the true kitchen. That's the true yeah. kitchen party origin, right? Yeah. The East Coast. Yeah, that's right. Uh, how did you uh, did you take lessons or did you learn from a book or I took lessons. You took, um, yeah, you'd have to, to to have chops like that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, I, I took lessons. Um, when I started, so I was like, I was in elementary school. I was in like grade five, okay, and I t- started taking lessons, and then like grade five to grade eight, I was taking lessons, um, but I couldn't really pick like that until really until I moved to Toronto. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Because uh, I got a gig the first night I moved up here. Well, actually, my brother and his his now wife um, really got it for me, um, but. Um, I was playing like five hours a day because I was in yeah. grad school and I was I was bored stiff. You have to to actually do something. Yeah, <laughs> and and all of a sudden like I needed to play for like three hours a night and I was like I know maybe twenty five minutes worth of music. Right, right. <laughs> so what did you know at that time? I knew like all the stuff I played in jazz band in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then like a couple of tragically hip tunes mm-hmm. and you know I knew I guess I knew like a tons of half tunes. Right, but I never really just sat down and just learned a song. Yeah, like I just I'd I'd get like to the bridge and I'd be like ah okay new one. <laughs> I, I have uh, you know I have an amazingly short attention span. Really? Too. Yeah, yeah, amazingly short. I was sort of opposite when I when I taught myself guitar. Uh, yeah, because uh, Tommy was a big record for me. Right by the, by the Who. I got right. fanatical about the Who. Nice. And when I picked up a guitar for the first time, because my, my dad's a guitar player, so there's always instruments laying around. Yeah, nice. I just obsessively wanted to learn the whole album mm. and teach myself mm-hmm. how to play. I'm sure I got so much of it wrong, but it felt right at the time, which is good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And in retrospect, I, I was correct in a lot of places, but whether it's learning from a book or taking lessons or just doing it on, on your own, you need to just put the time in. Definitely. You, you got to be obsessive. You have to. I used to teach guitar as well. And sometimes kids weren't into it and mm-hmm. their parents would just push them in. Mm-hmm. And that was always tough for everyone involved. And they would always say, well, how come he's not making progress uh, here or there? And I'm like, does he practice? No, he has. Well, you know, how do I make him practice? You don't. Yeah. You don't. You have to want to do it. Like, you got to be maniacal about it. Totally. One track minded. You have to. You have you, to. Guitar lessons aren't going to get you shit. You know, they'll get you 30 minutes or an hour of somebody, you know, showing you a bit of the map as to right. where to go, but you're the only one that can walk it. You're Absolutely. the only one that can actually play it. You just have to. I'd recommend taking lessons after you toy around on the instrument yourself. Me too. Because then it's just refining an, a musical identity that's already been um, honed. Right on your own, right? Because right. I find it's it's like somebody who takes conservatory piano, they they don't know how to improvise usually mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah, you know somebody that's really been indoctrinated into that world, they don't tend to have a musical personality of their own. Right, because it's just been lessons from the get go. Right, right. Whereas if you sort of fumble around and sort of fuck it up yourself and come up with your own sort of weird way of playing the instrument, and then maybe a year or two after that take some lessons to just sort of you know sculpt that yeah then i think you can become an interesting musician 
but also a proficient musician. Because a lot of times my favorite musicians are the ones that have a real identity, but they're also a little off-center at the same time. Yeah. You know, that's what makes somebody unique. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's, you know, it, it is, it's funny how different people learn the instrument. Like I knew guys who could play a million songs. Mm-hmm. You can play a million songs too. You got to repeat a lot of songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's why I like jam with you because I, I can, I can learn a song in 30 seconds. Yeah. If, you, I, you, if I just watch you do it. You have a quick ear. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. I still struggle to sit down and unless I'm watching a YouTube video. Right. And like, and right now, the only people I'm sort of playing along with are sort of like some of the like the sort of country bluegrass, like, um, or the Roots revival, like Sturgill Simpson or yeah, uh, Chris yeah. Stapleton. Right. That's the only thing that's sort of holding my attention right now. Yeah. Um. But I, when I when I learned, it was like what I did most was uh, my guitar teacher showed me the the pentatonic scales. Yeah. It's key. Yeah, and so I just started ripping. Like I didn't want to sit down and learn a song. I just wanted to play a track and yeah. rip over top. Yeah. Of it. Oh, that that's that's right? what I did as well. It, yeah. I just I just rip over. It. I just find the key of the tune, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. And just rip over it pentatonic. It's so much style. fun. I could still do it for hours. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, the and the only other thing that I'll say, you know, you, you got obsessive about uh, about the Who. Mm-hmm. I, I got obsessive uh, watching uh, John Mayer live in L.A. Yeah, um, at the Nokia Theater. Okay, which I know is like you know people are always like, oh my god, John Mayer. He looks are you kidding like, me? I don't know much of his work, but the guy can rip, man. You know what? He's one of those. Yeah, he he can. From what I've seen, he can he can really rip, and uh, I just I just found him fe- like phenomenally entertaining. We were really? actually watching um, a YouTube. He's he's somehow connected to this company called Houdinki. It's like a watch collection thing. He's got like okay. a million watches. Yeah. And uh, we were just watching him talk about watches, and I was like, I love this guy. Right. Well, actually, you know, <laughs> I, I saw him on Hot Ones. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, and it's you know he's show. he's funny. He's a witty guy. Yeah, I know. It was one, it was one of the best episodes I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, and he's funny. But well, didn't he, he didn't he try stand up comedy at one point? Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Um, I saw him take over for Craig Ferguson once. Yeah, on one episode. I think. Yeah, and he's he's, he's alright. Yeah, he's not bad. Yeah, I, and honestly, I respect anybody that is willing to think outside of the constrained viewpoint that society has a lot of the time yeah of what you should be or what you shouldn't be yep and if he wants to try stand-up comedy fucking go for it go ahead yeah i know i mean back in the day there's that that term renaissance man Mm -hmm. you don't hear much anymore but you know someone like da vinci could be you know Stand up comedian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd like to see some of his stand up. Yeah, me too. Imagine, you know, dude's a phenomenal painter, right? Renaissance man. Then he just gets up there and he's totally hilarious. That would be great. Yeah, then, then he'd really like, be an alien. Yeah, he'd be unreal. <laughs> but yeah, anybody that's willing to break through that matrix, yeah, and just do something that people are not expecting of them, right? As long as you have conviction behind it, people will catch up after mm-hmm. after a while, you know. I find that when you sort of break out of the mold and do something people aren't expecting, you're going to get some flack or you're going to get some raised eyebrows, mm-hmm. which in my opinion just comes, it's insecurity getting projected, right? It's people saying like, oh shit, they have the guts to do it. I'm going to shit on it now. For sure. A lot of the time. But that's okay because we all have our ways of processing and dealing with things. But I think, um, yeah, if, if you have confidence and conviction in what you're doing 
the, nothing, the truth can't be threatened, right? Right. So if something's truly good, people will catch up to it eventually. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You know, l- l- let me just, let me pick on that conviction part. When you, cause I, I, I never really sang. Okay. I'm not much of a vocalist. No. Like I, I am sometimes and sometimes I'll just be like, I'll have a couple drinks and, uh, and I'll say like, Hey boys, you want to hear me rip one? And uh, you know, they're like, yeah, oh man, that sounds so sick. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. And then I sort of put it down and I just like, forget about it. I just don't sing again. Yeah. I've always, I've always sort of been that way. I, I just rather just play. Um, but singing's fun. Um, did you, so what happened for you? Did you just like pick one up and start, start belting one day and you were just, you just sounded sick or what? Really? I started as a drummer. Right. And I, I played drums for a few years. That I, That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to be a drummer. I had no interest in playing guitar. I think because my dad played guitar, you know, you mm-hmm. sort of steer away yeah, from what you just want to do, do something different just because. Yeah. But then I... See, when I was young, my dad used to play me cassette tapes a lot of the time when I went to sleep or when we were eating dinner. And a lot of it was Bob Dylan mm. and the Rolling Stones and these really great songwriters, Tom Waits. Nice. And I think a lot of that got embedded in my brain. And then... Like a lot of people, when I discovered the Beatles a little later on, when I was about 12, 13, when I truly understood, like, oh, this is something special, then I thought, okay, I want to do that. Mm. I want to create songs. I don't just want to be a drummer anymore. So that was a big a big turning point for me. That and Quadrophenia by The Who. Mm-hmm. I became obsessed with that album and uh, the blue album which is like a compilation album by the beatles yeah nice and yeah i just thought okay you can't write a song on a drum kit fair enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough yeah and Six, I, 60 minutes straight percussion well you know i mean for sheila or something I mean, <laughs> I, she might have put out albums like that but no i wasn't into that and i uh yeah i just wanted to give people the feeling that i got when i hear strawberry fields forever fair enough but having said that I didn't even want to be a singer at that stage. Right. I was more turned on by the Pete Townsend, Noel Gallagher um, sort of standpoint where you write the songs and someone else sings them. Yeah. I I didn't have an interest in being the guy in the middle. Yeah. And the reason I became a solo artist was just out of necessity Hmm. due to a lot of things that went down that, you know, I, I didn't want to waste time. And a band that I was in sort of crumbled. And I thought, I do like this idea of being in a band. But it, but all those legendary bands, they happen that way because the planets sort of aligned. Yeah. You know, you can't really create The Who or The Stones or Zeppelin or something like that. Or The White Stripes even. That's just happenstance. So I wasn't going to beat my head against the wall trying to find... Trying to find the right people to do exactly, it Exactly. Trying to find the perfect lineup. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what, I'm sort of identifying more with people like Dylan and Beck and, and these guys, sort of Tom Waits, that the, the do it themselves. That just go it along? Yeah. Beck yeah. reference? And, uh, yeah, exactly. And I, uh, exactly, a good tune. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm a guy that likes to make shit happen. And the only way I'm going to make something happen is if I do it myself. Yeah, fair enough. See, that's why we got you on this podcast. That right there. I'm going to clip that and just blast that on social media. That, that's, that's amazing. And, and for me, I wanted to, I wanted to be a solo artist forever. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, forever. That's and, interesting. And um, I don't know. Like I, I played. I did. Uh, like I said, I did the sort of bar circuit. But I was always like background restaurant music guy. Mm. Yeah, you know, I've been there. Yeah, and so it was like people would come in and they'd be eating, and and I'd be sort of just like you know bopping around, talking to everybody, like, oh right. wow, welcome, welcome, I'm gonna play some tunes. Everyone always loved it, and and I was just playing like bluesy little background music, but I never really made the jump. And so for the people that are out there, like yourself, getting down in the Horseshoe Tavern and you know rocking out for two hours, yeah. I have so much respect for that, mm. um, and and sometimes I go to those shows and I'm I just look and I'm just like, oh fuck, <laughs> like I wish, I wish I sh- I should have just you know so, sort of got right into it when I had the opportunity. Yeah. But it's I, I sort of feel the same way now. Like starting this podcast, right? I was saying to you before we started, I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to go to broadcasting school mm-hmm. right out of high school. Um, I didn't. I don't. I just don't think I had a clear enough thoughts in my mind about myself in the world right. to do this then. Yeah. And I, I wasn't a good enough player back then uh-huh. to do that then either. So oh, okay. I'm sort of like primed right now. And, you know, I was, I was, I know I was just telling you recently when I turned 27, I felt like I turned 22. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just because like everything was just sort of aligning for me. Yeah. I feel like I, I was like, Oh, okay. I sort of know something about something. I can do something about something. Do you feel like it's too late? No. Good. Is this not? No, not at all. Not at all. Like, that's another thing, right? That is 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 an old hat way of thinking. I think that to do something creative, you have to be young. Yeah. Not true. Not true at all. At all. I could be thirty five and come up with an album. Yeah. Look at C Six Steve. Do you know him? No. He's this uh, old gray bearded dude who's been playing like in the California scene since the sixties. Nice. No one's heard of him up until Jack White discovered him a couple years ago and signed him to Third Man. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like hmm. anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> so and he's he's like a seventy five year old man or something, huh. and, and he finally just made it. Or like um, Char- Charles Bradley. Yeah, Charles you know, Bradley. Oh yeah. Anything can happen. Wicked album he came out with. Yeah. Yeah. That was so cool. What about that um, Sixto Rodriguez Sugar Man? You yeah. watched that documentary? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I watched. I went to a sort of a premiere. Oh, nice. Screening of that when it came out because <clears throat> a friend of mine used to be a rock writer mm-hmm. and he got invited to do press for it and it was interesting yeah <laughs> a, a weird thing happened though which is, is just so indicative of this and, and so painfully ironic indicative of this this capitalist society we inhabit which is so <laughs> we go to the screening right <clears throat> and spoiler alert for anybody that's uh, that's not seen it but Rodriguez gets fucked around with a lot over the years, right? Mm-hmm. And he he's not really given a fair shake. And then there's this big triumphant ending. And it's like, oh, you know, he's finally getting the due <laughs> that he deserves. And the movie ends, and it's like, oh, how great is that? And then on the way out, they're giving us free copies of a CD. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Honestly, dude, like, dude oh, just, just sums it all up. Can't catch a break. It was yeah. on. He was on bootleg tapes in South Africa, where they yeah. got huge, making no money. Mm-hmm. You guys go see the show, are like, wow, unbelievable. Next thing you know, you're like, free music. <laughs> I mean, you know, he got exposure and all that. But. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean, he he he's playing here, isn't isn't he? Um, coming up soon? Yeah, or he, he just played recently. Coming up, or he just played? I saw that. I I so should have gone. The the movie did. Yeah, did what it was supposed him, to do. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know, he's probably still living in that same little 
Detroit Detroit house, little little house and yeah he was he was very was. content it was a really interesting doc man yeah yeah Detroit's yeah. an interesting music city yes it's very just it's just an interesting city yeah I find a lot of sort of uh, island of misfit island of toy misfit type people come out of Detroit yeah. in the best way possible yeah like Iggy Pop yeah MC5 right Jack White Jack White Eminem yeah you know the D12 crew that's right you know even that crew's like sort of outside yeah, there's, the yeah. normal rap. I I find idea um, of what you have as a yeah. rap group, and I I I really appreciate Detroit for a lot of reasons. One is I've always loved their hockey team. Um, oh my god, yeah, yeah so, so consistently good. Yeah, um, you know, having some issues recently, but what I like about Detroit and what I like about the United States in gen- general, and, and one mm. of the reasons I started this podcast was because. In America, like the mindset is like anything's possible. Anything can happen anytime. The American dream. Yeah. Yeah. You can become anything. Yeah. And you can just sort of do anything. And everyone's aware that, you know, haters hate and um, you get traction, you're going to do good. Uh, you work hard, you're going to do good. Right. I started this podcast because I was like, what What can you be in Canada? Uh-huh. What, what do people think you can be in Canada? Uh-huh. And, well, to be Canadian. Yeah. Right. What does yeah. that mean to what, you? What does it mean to be Canadian? What does that mean to you? Because you started the podcast, yeah, I, I did. I'm, I'm very curious what what that statement means. Yeah, to I th- you. I think what it means to me, or, or I don't really know. I, mm. I I think I started the podcast because I wanted to figure that out. Right, like I I appreciate um people who put themselves out there and take risks, and even more so who take some lumps. You know, have to take one on the chin every once in a while and get back up there and keep going. Yeah, I just don't think it's bred into the Canadian experience as much anymore and I don't think it was always that way right um, well yeah but I just I think it, yeah I, I think a lot of Canada right now is is a little bit content to play it safe in what sense and not pushing the boundaries of like what is is socially possible or, okay. or conceptually possible okay um, you know like let me let me just take a little zoom out on the political climate sure Justin Trudeau right love him or hate him doesn't matter to me um you know what what you think of the guy but he's a super safe candidate you know he's he's just so safe like you know it's like oh yeah his dad his dad used to be the prime minister so mm-hmm. um we know his family you know he's sort of like that that's how it's treated but so it feels to some people like it's been fathered in yeah it has and nobody's just saying like you know hold on maybe this could be t- entirely and i entirely different sorry let me finish that thought but like i just think that that's a bit of a metaphor for canada it's like well they hope that you just sort of you know do something you know pretty safe end up in a position that's consistent that won't require a whole lot of change and then you come out the other end of you know this this sort of like do good in canadian and Mm -hmm. you're friendly along the way because there's not too much um resistance to your path or whatever okay um so your Trump supporter is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hardcore alt right guy. This is where this is just going. waiting for Trump yeah. to, to come up to Canada next. Episode three. This is where Johnny's dropping it. Yeah, exactly. Alt right supporter. No. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no, exactly. But you know, I I just think that um, Canadians could have a broader imagination about what you can okay, do that's in, an in life and in the world. And I also think it's interesting it'll be super interesting here's here's what i think will be awesome about this episode in particular you grew up in toronto correct i did yeah 
Before I moved here, I didn't know a single soul that grew up in Toronto. Right. And in fact, I had hardly ever had a conversation with somebody from Toronto. Right. So I had a bit of an idea. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of podcasters, a lot of people out there listening in Nova Scotia. A couple of shout outs right there. Hey, hey. Yep. Seeing it in the statistics. Love you, <laughs> love you guys. Um, stats don't lie. Yeah, that's right. The stats don't lie. But a lot of people have never, like, like to you, of course you can be a musician. Of course you can be a performer. Mm. Of course you can just like okay. like dig into the arts. Yeah. I don't think, or not, and not just the arts, but of, of course you can just say, I'm going to decide to do it and go do it that way. It's probably a combination of geography and the way I was raised. Right. Because I, it was instilled in me from an early age that I can do whatever I want. And I, I think, unfortunately, not a lot of people have that. For sure. And that's where a lot of self-doubt and, and limitations um, become self-imposed right i think everything starts at home everything starts in the, in the formative years so I, I hear what you're saying about growing up in toronto and there there are undoubtedly opportunities that were afforded to me that weren't afforded to to, to people that maybe grew up somewhere in the maritimes or something like that or outside of any sort of metropolis but that presents challenges within itself as well mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. you could be some dude who fucking rips way out in wherever, some town no one's heard of, and it's like a big fish syndrome. Right. And then you that that person could come to Toronto and all of a sudden they're, they're one in a million minnows. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there's that element of it. But my confidence and my, I guess, ability not to... S- to second guess myself too much in terms of what I want to be and what I want to do really came from how I was raised. Right. Right. So I think it's a combination. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I mean, that's, I I also think, yeah, that, you know, that's a fortunate situation. And I know of course it has its challenges. Yeah. You know, I know a little bit about your backstory too. And I know it, it it has its challenges. Right. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, I just think it's it's you know when when I'm I, I think I, I'm I'm pretty naturally curious. I just ask a lot of people a lot of questions. I I do too actually. Yeah yeah. I'm yeah. interested you, in you, people. Yeah yeah. I we have that in common. I and mean, when we when we 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 always you know sort of get down a hole of conversation like when yeah, whenever we're really out, easily F- yeah it just like nice. shoots down and three hours later we're like okay anyway good yeah, hey, <laughs> good, we do it. good chatting with yeah. you. Um, we should record this. Yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah I mean I I just I just wish there was a bit broader imagination in, hmm. in Canada. I think that's, that, that is why I'm doing this. And maybe there is, maybe I'm just, uh, just tapping into it and broadcasting it a little bit, but, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I, um, uh, I just want to see more stuff happen. More people, uh, you know, how many, how many people do you talk to who are like, yeah, I should, I should do that. Yeah. Or even worse people that are like, I'm doing this, but they don't do it. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, man. You know? like it's one, it's one thing to want to do something and say, Oh, I should do this. You know? Yeah. Uh, but then uh, a lot of people in this town talk a big game. Yeah. You know? People talking everywhere though. You're right. Everywhere. Yeah. I know. A lot of people are like, uh, Oh yeah. So yeah, I've, I've got this going on and this going on by this time in two months. Uh, this is where, and then they haven't done anything. Yeah. And I find the more you talk about something, the less likely it is to happen, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I know that's a bit of a cliche, but I heard Bob Dylan say something one time on this incredible 60 Minutes interview that he did. And I th- I'm paraphrasing, 
but he was asked about this line in his book where he talks about destiny. Mm -hmm. And he said it was important for him not to tell people early on what he believed he was going to be, which was essentially the Bob Dylan we know. He goes, because when you, and what he said was when you put something out there like that, it can be easily crushed. And I think the more you talk about what you're going to do, the more a expectations there are, the more um, doubt you're going to feel from people because a lot of people don't want to see you do well. Yeah. And you start to sort of feel that energy. And I also heard something recently which which made sense and it sounds a bit bro sciencey and I haven't looked into it, but it sort of makes sense to me, which is there is some sort of endorphin like thing released in your brain when you say to somebody that you're going to do something. You you almost get this minute sense of accomplishment that you've already done it. Mhm. And then it sort of staves off actually doing it. It puts it off a little. Your, your brain satisfied. You, your brain is satisfied temporarily. Exactly. Right. And then you sort of don't get around to doing it. So I find the things that I'm most proud of that I've done are actually things that I've sort of kept to myself until they're finished. Mm-hmm. You know. And and that I mean that that's really the, uh, the, uh, the message that I love. And in the in the first episode of the podcast, yeah. Cole Rowden was saying. I said, what's, what's, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. I was saying, you know, what, what advice do you have? And he was like, just start. Yep. Uh, exactly. Uh, and I remember it's, him it's, saying it's the same sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and I was telling him in that one, I want to do a podcast forever. Well, what was stopping me? Like literally nothing. Right. And then I was like, well, how easy is this? Right. Saw Tim Ferriss do it. Boom. Here we are. And, and you know, now we get to do something and I'm excited about it all the time, but, um, yeah, the first step was like the hardest thing. Right. Same with anything. And then once you're into a groove, you're just doing it. And then, and then you don't need to talk about like the... Let the work speak for itself. Yeah, you just you just put it out there. That's right. Yeah. And then once it's out there, it's sort of, you've washed your hands of it. Yeah. And, and you know, you're, you're not holding on to it anymore. Yeah. Which is a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. Is it like that when you write a song? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, when I put the song out, yeah. Right. Yeah. How often how often do you put songs out? Well, that's a good question. I, I have an EP out. Mm-hmm. I have a, a full length out, and I have a few singles out. What do you so, got? Dig into that a little bit, because for for anyone listening, yeah, uh, we're looking at my TV screen. We got Marlon up on Spotify. Yeah, so we're looking at the album cover for my latest full length that I put out, right. which is called The Circle. The Circle. Yeah, and so you, I'm gonna I'll be blasting some photos of that out on social media too. So nice for the folks. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's a beautiful cover. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I designed and had some help with from an amazing artist named Carly McCloskey. Mm-hmm. She sort of does a lot of uh, acclamation, animation, wicked, great photographer. Yeah, so what? she's actually done a couple of music videos for me as well. Right. Right. What was the latest one you put out? Last music video you put out. The last one was uh, called a single drop. Right, yes. right, and and that's on YouTube. Yeah, that's on YouTube. That was directed by Justin Friesen. Freeze. Yeah, Frizzle. For sure. Yeah, who uh, <laughs> came through, man, and he did a fantastic job. Yeah, he did do a great job it, on that. Totally his concept. Nice. Yeah, he took a listen to the album and wanted to do a video for that song, and I was like, all right, man, like we we had worked together before, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
I didn't have any ideas for it. So I thought, I'm down to do a video, man. I don't have any ideas. If you want to come up with a concept and pitch it, we'll talk. And he came up with this pretty interesting concept that sort of played on the lyrics. Yeah. Which yeah. is to do with social media and, you know, the way we connect these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's with this little clown guy? Where'd he come from? And this is, I'm yeah. still looking at the album cover yeah. in the bottom dead center. Yeah. So who's okay. this cat? Before I get into what the clown is all about, the idea behind the album cover, and I don't want to reveal too much about it because I find that can sort of spoil yeah. the soup. Yeah. But it's, the album's called The Circle. It's, it's a circular collage sort of situation and it's supposed to reflect on the cyclical nature of human interaction um progress whether it's socio-economic whether it's um um just artistic um just the way all of society and the world and the universe, if you want to get that big, moves together as one big organism and history tends to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple little images on the, on the cover that have to do with my childhood and that little clown there. So going back to, you know, my dad in particular, because I was uh, raised as a child mainly by him, um, being very encouraging, I, I was a visual artist. Mm-hmm. And every morning he'd always have a pad of paper out for me and a pen. So, you know, before I went to school, if I felt like drawing, I'd draw. And usually every morning I would. And for some reason, I always used to draw this this little clown. Hmm. And I, I also used to play with Fimu, which is this clay. Right. <laughs> and uh, so I thought that would be a cool little homage to when I first started getting into art. If I recreated this little clown that I always used to draw and... Uh, and make it with, with Fimu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And there's one version of that little clown that my grandmother had framed as well. And that was always in the house. So that was, that was always special to me. Yeah. That, that's interesting. I'm glad yeah. I picked that one of all the things on the, the cover. <laughs> Everything's there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, my grandmother is, is on it as well. In the, fo- you, in the photo? In the photo. Bottom right there? Yeah. Ish. She gave that to me a couple o- of years overlapping ago. Overlapping the orange? That's right. Yeah. Nice. You big orange eater? I orange like my guy? citrus. Yes. Drop a can of? Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that. Yeah? Yeah. My girlfriend always gives me a hard time for that. Not a hard time, but she always, she always like, you got to have your juice. And yeah. Oh, grapefruit juice and orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> got to love that. And it's, it's very refreshing. Yeah. And another little bit of bro science, but um, <laughs> I once heard that a little, little bit of grapefruit juice before your coffee. Yeah made the caffeine like diffuse slower in your really? system yeah it could be total bullshit that's interesting. okay yeah might, well, not, I don't might not be true at all so you don't drink coffee don't drink coffee how do you get through the day that's people ask me that often yeah i just go in raw really <laughs> do you drink diet cokes all the time no no but i do i i, I do drink uh pop probably too much straight coke yeah coke or pepsi coke but yeah. i failed the pepsi coke challenge a few times which is oh yeah sort of shook my world yeah wow yeah i, I i'm convinced and i want to do it now because i know i could I, I could taste i could taste 100 colas and i know i picked diet coke really oh well, yeah. I, I, yeah i think that diet coke is a very yeah distinct it's a little taste. more distinct yeah yeah i'm not a fan yeah no affiliation with this podcast just yet but I, <laughs> not yet <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for diet coke just slip in diet i've been coke. saying that every every episode so far i'm like you know what whatever we mentioned come on exactly hit me up yeah yeah a a comedian friend of mine she just relentlessly 
plugs <laughs> products that she's not affiliated with. Yeah. And then I, I think she just wears them down. And yeah. then eventually they, they give her some free and, shit. And then one day they're just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll sponsor you. Yeah. I know. I just, just took a fisherman's friend. Yeah. I Co- noticed that. Coming off a bit of a cold. Bold yeah. move on a podcast. Yeah. Eh? I've got my Sam Pellegrino here. Yeah. Sam Pelly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and, see, you, and you're using a focus right, aren't you? Focus right, yeah. do I too, baby? <laughs> Scarlet, do I too? Using a MacBook, yeah. hit me up, uh, Tim Cook. We'll pop over these Miss Pick, Miss Picky's trips later. That's right. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, see, see what, see what we've opened up here. Um, <laughs> the Who actually did an album um, called The Who Sell Out, mm. which in which they they came up with fake radio ads in mm-hmm. between the songs, and they partly admitted to doing that just to get free shit, and it didn't work. <laughs> really <laughs> I think they got Roto Sound guitar strings and then that was it I think it would work in this day and age yeah I think they were ahead of their time actually yeah I yeah. think you know Honestly. Pr- product placement in shows and movies there's gotta be product placement coming up in music well it already exists in music videos oh yeah oh in videos yeah, right like lady, what, yeah. what about a song like a real hit about Juicy Fruit um, I feel like that's probably already happened yeah when you think about it yeah you know? you're probably like, right yeah, for sure it's happened. Like rappers uh, rapping about like Crystal and right, and they, 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 they have to be getting back. And, and Nelly, back in the day, yeah. Nelly, you remember Nelly? Of course, uh, was always wearing <laughs> vocal tank tops. Okay, on at this point, right, right. He was always rapping his jeans and stuff. All yeah. those guys were so for sure they were getting getting some payments. And the idea of a sellout has definitely changed over time. Definitely, you know, with the amount of people that call themselves entrepreneurs these days, for sure. Yeah, what do you think of that? What, what's selling out in the music industry? I think it really depends on who you ask. Right. There was definitely this idea up until the late 90s, probably early 2000s, of what it means to be a sellout. And It was like punky. Yeah. Do you think? Well, you know, it was like like all the, all the sort of punks sort of said as soon as you went mainstream. Yeah. Then you were a sellout? Yeah, for sure. And you were looked down upon in the, right. in the community. Right. I think because, and this is a whole other situation to get into, but I think because um, the record industry has crumbled, right? They've fallen so hard since Napster twenty yeah. years ago, which is yeah. crazy to, to say. But because the industry has been so in flux, the idea of making an album and where you get the money to make an album and where you get the money to even sustain yourself as an artist, a musical artist has changed over time because we don't rely on big labels as much as we used to. Right. A lot of it is more DIY than ever and not in like sort of a punky, um, sort of like thrown together DIY kind of way. A lot of people are starting their own labels right. and they have these like boutique labels and right. they're very business oriented and business minded. So because of that, I think a lot of artists are taking more initiative to yeah to get aligned with products and and have their songs placed in television shows that maybe you wouldn't associate with that sort of artist because right. it funds the next album. Right. You know what I mean? And whereas like in 1997 that that would have been taboo. Right. How do you make money in music? Dude, I don't fucking. Know. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah. I don't even think some of the most successful artists in the world know that question, mm. or know, know know the answer to that question. Um, how do you make money? I, I I think a lot of it is what I just said. It's it's placements, right? It is right. 
yeah, it's music placement, which means getting your song on a television show or a commercial right. or a movie. A lot of it is merchandise. Mm-hmm. Basically everything except the music itself. Hmm. Yeah. You know Bahamas? Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of Bahamas? Yeah, I know I, I know the, his bass player. Nice. Yeah, he's We've done some sessions together. Sweet. Yeah. Um, Dar- shout out to Darcy, great bass player. Yeah, Darcy nice. Yates. He was a guy actually. So I when I I had before I moved to Toronto, yeah. I was on a bit of a hiatus with guitar. And it was the first real sort of lengthy one in my life. Okay. Yeah, you know, it was like four or five months. Right. Hadn't really touched a guitar. Yeah. For no reason at all, really. I was just uh, just going through some stuff, transitioning out of out of um um living in, in Fredericton at that time I was doing my undergrad that happens that absence makes the heart grow fonder yeah yeah and then I was um, sleeping on, on uh, my brother's sofa and I saw a guy from my hometown who was, who was, all, who was always finding good music posted uh, a video um, to his latest album yeah I clicked in ripped through the whole thing picked my guitar back up and I was like alright I'm I'm gonna sit yeah he's another guy actually you know that I can I can sit down with and get you know get play it. along every single every single tune and, oh, yeah. uh, and it doesn't get old yeah um, cool cool so I get back into him but he's got that great line now the music's free and you can't blame me blame the internet right yeah <laughs> it's free uh, yeah I mean the internet's it flipped everything upside down yeah yeah it did what, tell me what you think about this mm-hmm. well monetizing art <laughs> what do I think? I was just just chewing, chewing the rest of that fisherman's friend. <laughs> I feel like you, you you're teeing me up there, and I flipped it on you, and then yeah. you're like, "Fuck!" Yeah, I was like, "Okay, you got me. Shit. I need to finish this." Uh, hashtag fisherman's friend. Yeah, wash it down with a little diet coke. <laughs> with the hashtag diet coke. <laughs> um, yeah, because something like um, when you when a pipe breaks, who do you call? Um, a plumber. Right. Right. When uh, oh, I get you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I'm with you. you. You see where I'm going with this? Yep. Nobody quote needs music now. Here, I'm not saying you don't need music, but you don't need it like you need the heat to stay on, right? Uh, you need it for your fucking soul, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You need. I I believe you need art to just get through the day. Yeah. Um. But how do you put a price on that i don't yeah i don't know that's tricky and and it's especially tricky because everything is turning into a subscription Mm -hmm. you know like who buys one thing anymore (sighs) right who just one to i I never well like on amazon yeah um i'll like buy one one thing just one off but everything else is a subscription like i i just deal in monthly pricing I mean, it's, you know, I work in the tech industry, mm-hmm. monthly pricing. I get home, try to make this podcast Adobe, monthly pricing. Right. Um, it's all subscription based. You know, Spotify, Netflix. Exactly. So. Well, yeah. Spotify seems to be doing the best out of any music platform right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'd say. Spotify and Google Music, probably. Yeah. Going Google one, Play. two. Okay. I think Google's, I mean, Spotify's got a bunch of VC money, to the best of my knowledge, so they're mm. going to float right on. Google Play, obviously backed by Google, so they're not going to fold up shop anytime soon but nobody's buying songs off iTunes anymore no you know for no. like one ninety nine a pop I actually don't even know if they let you I think you go in and buy a tune and they just sell you a subscription to Apple like yeah. Apple Music yeah so I heard like seven eight months ago that 
they were going to phase out buying individual songs. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's happened. Yeah. It's yeah, it's done. <clears throat> well, I mean, the album as an art form has definitely changed. Yeah, definitely. Time. I mean, Kanye who is regardless of what you think of him, he really is a cultural shifter. Definitely. And um when he put out Life of Pablo, he was mixing it and throwing it up and then getting sort of like a it was like a focus group. He was putting it up on Twitter or whatever, and people would tell him like, "Oh, you know." And then he 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 sort of take it in and like he'd right. mi- he'd mix it, and then remix it in front of you, and then he'd put an album out, and then he'd be like, "Wait, I'm gonna take a couple back," and I think he ca- he called it like a living, breathing art hmm. thing or whatever, like a, a constantly developing piece of art. You couldn't do that in 1991. No way. Or 1969 yeah. or whatever. Just the, the channel didn't exist. Yeah. So things have completely changed. Yeah. You can do that now. Yeah. And people, and this is something that hasn't changed, uh, I think, and th- probably throughout human history. People like to be involved. Right. And they like to feel like their voice is heard. Yeah. And they matter. And they matter. Yeah. And that they're part of something greater than themselves. And I think probably a lot of people felt that way when he, when he was putting Pablo out. They're like, wow. Like, maybe my suggestion is going to change something. And whether or not it did, yay makes people feel like that. Doesn't matter, yeah. Yeah, you know? exactly. If it, if it did or didn't, doesn't matter. But just the process of feeling like they were involved in something. Right. Yeah. And one thing that I, I noticed isn't as prevalent as it, as it was maybe six, seven years ago is crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always felt weird about crowdfunding. But I, I know that was a, a big part of why it was a big selling point. It was like you could request a subject for a song or something, right. and we'll we'll write a song based around right. a, a day you had, right. or you know, trying to get people involved. Right. I I think there's value in that for sure, but you sort you sort of feel like a bit of a whore at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like well, I became an artist for self-expression, right? Not to just be a mirror for a bunch of people. Yeah. I don't know just to get an album off the ground that maybe I'm not even connected to in the end. Yeah, you might... You, you know? Yeah, so you might So it starts it. to turn around. I think there's a happy medium there somewhere because I do want people to feel like I care about what they want because I do. If you just wanted to make music for yourself, you wouldn't put it out. Right. I care about what people think about my music. I want them to feel good when they listen to my music and I want them to feel connected to it. Can we find some sort of balance there? I think it's possible. I haven't come up with that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I'm definitely open to to new ideas. How, how do you make your music? Do you uh, is it all like self funded? A lot of it is self funded. Um, this album was funded by my label. Nice Mobius Recordings. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but we're applying for a lot of grants right now. At the same time, right? I don't th- like shout out to to musicians everywhere don't look a gift horse in the mouth mm-hmm. if the government wants to give you money to create art try to do that because <laughs> yeah. I've gotten grants before and they, they, they paid for for whole albums right you know yeah it's, pretty, it, it's, it's brilliant it's great yeah, it's, yeah. It, it can happen and it, you know be, I think it, it always gets targeted like I, you know everybody you know governments come in sometimes they go a little cut happy it's one of the first things to go, but you got to have a healthy art scene or else your city's just not cool. Right. And like, you gotta, yeah. you gotta have a cool city. 
like well this is a very timely discussion right because yeah. toronto has has changed a lot in the past five six yeah. years and a lot of people think that artists are are getting pushed out mm. figuratively and, and literally yeah yeah you know i you know what i mean like because so many condos are going up and there's so much development happening and it's becoming such a corporate city in yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah, it's turning into Manhattan a little bit. You know, I mean, what, do you think there's any uh, any truth in that? Like, you know, when artists... Yeah, yeah, of, probably. Yeah? Probably. I mean, just let's take like an easy, easy concept, right? Like, when has anybody ever cited Manhattan for its art scene or its culinary scene? It's mm. probably got some sweet restaurants, but mm. you probably overpay for what you're getting every right. time. Toronto's turned into that a little bit for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, unquestionably. Yeah, but but it's like, you know, Brooklyn's got a great music scene, and you know, Hamilton will probably be the next uh, sort of torchbearer. It will. It will. Yeah, um, it's already on its way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, I keep hearing that. I don't know that. I've never been. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna go. Yeah, there's something happening for sure. I was just there a few days ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, 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 who is who is the best music scene in Canada? You think who who has the best music scene? Yeah, which city in Canada? Yeah, I don't really know to be honest because yeah, I I, I don't travel in Canada that often. Right. I I mean the answer is probably here or Montreal. Yeah, that's that's probably accurate. Yeah, here being Toronto, I know yeah. I know like probably including yourself like 10 guys that i look at and i'm like like anyone would listen to them anywhere and be very content with the evening (laughs) right like you'd walk into any bar could be here could be nashville Mm. could be somewhere totally different you'd listen to the music sit down listen to the music end of the night you'd be like wow that was fucking awesome right thank you yeah yeah Uh, but like it it just goes to show it's so deep here in 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 the east coast there's a couple of bands that can really turn it on and a couple guys who have made it big like yeah. Matt Mays Matt Mays and, but, and that's Matt Mays Joel Plaskett right. but even even that it's not necessarily nationally big and even that it's only Canadian big so you're saying it's still sort of niche it's still a little niche and if you want to go back even further it's this sort of like tragically hip Blue Rodeo Syndrome where they're right. big in Canada but they don't really they don't cross the border cross the border or cross the pond that much yeah, yeah. well I mean if you just want to go for eclecticism and just the uh, vari- like sheer variety mm-hmm then I think it's Toronto. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you can find anything here. Yeah. Exactly. You can. You, there's everything so in Toronto. I guess it's got to be Toronto. Yeah. Fair enough. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody else. Um, <laughs> what? Who? Who? Who are some of the acts you're you're listening to right now in Toronto? I'm always a big proponent of Jerry Legere. Jerry Legere. I think you particularly would love him. Uh, I'm going to turn him on Spotify before you even leave. Right on. Yep. You, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's. He's a uh, very eclectic, um, not eclectic. He's prolific. Mm. Um, he's 31, I believe. And he's been putting an album out almost every year since he was about 19. That's what I'm talking about. Dude, this guy is a hard worker. That man, that's shipping product, right? For tech terms. That's what we say in the tech right. industry. Right. That is shipping product. But that is how you're just going along 19 to 30 you're putting an album out every year yeah. you turn 32 and boom it pops right how can it not well you know what's funny about that he just got signed and he has a distribution deal I believe with Warner now mm-hmm. and that's like nine albums in something crazy right 
so it's it's finally starting to hit for him and i'm so happy to see that um fantastic songwriter i mean if, if you want to talk with who he's worked with serena Ryder, ron sexsmith nice yeah um he's but he, he's one of those guys that's always just sort of like hovered here yep. success wise yep. and he's, he's just he's got the tunes he's got the feel he's got the vibe and i just really want to see him do well um the naive of course of course the naive's gonna drop some cool shit real soon nice that's all i'm gonna say nice but there's some shit that's coming up that is gonna i think really turn people on in a big big way hmm. yeah all right you know, I don't want to talk out of school here. No, that's right. But yeah, there's, well, there's, there's bef- some good shit coming up before, there. Before all that drops, we'll have to get uh, Cynthia on the pod. I think that's a good idea. Yep. Cynthia, if you don't know, listeners, is not only um, an amazing front woman and singer and songwriter in her own right, but she also plays in my band. Oh, yeah. And has contributed to a lot of my music over right. the years as well. And a dear friend of yours. Not only a dear friend, but my, my significant other. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's no secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see you're like sussing that one out. Yeah, like, I just, uh, you know. Are we going there? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. She's uh, an amazing artist. Yeah, her last show at the Cameron House was deadly. Awesome yeah, show. Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, fantastic. And she has something that not a lot of artists have, which is true uniqueness. Yep. You can't really genreify her music. No, nope. it's definitely got that jazz influence. There's definitely jazz there, yep. but she I, I, she's moving away from that. Mm. And she's entering something that is, I think, going to reach a wider audience. You know, knock on wood. Yep. Wish her all the best. And, but also is like still weird and, and sort of like St. Vincenty and... Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you haven't heard the album I'm talking about, but she she has recorded an album that I'm excited for people to hear. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I and you know wait. what? While I have the floor, the third person I got to mention is Ada Dali. Ada Dali. Absolute fucking powerhouse. Hmm. Um, I've worked with her in the past, writing songs with her, and I, I produced uh, her album that came out a couple years ago. She is true raw talent. Nice. She's never taken a lesson in her life. Unreal no vocal training and she is in the echelon i'm telling you man with like nina simone mm. Brittany howard good god all man. these crazy heavy hitters heavy hitters man that that's quite heavy a, hitters that's quite a plug no yeah. no check her out and especially huh. check her out live okay check her we'll out do. live we'll do yeah yeah, interesting. I mean, I when I when I moved here, I was so blown away by the scene. Um like my intro to the scene was I met the Pick Brothers mm-hmm. um, through their cousin, who's a good friend of mine, and became yeah. good buddies with them. So it's going to all their shows, going to all the like derivatives off of theirs. Right. Um, you know, they got a full horn section now. Nice, super talented guys. Um, that introduced me to Connor Gaines. Yeah, Connor Gaines is yeah, great. Yeah, and I was like, holy fuck, can yeah. this guy ever play guitar? Yeah. Great that performer. just blew, yeah, he's a great performer. That mm. blew me away of how right. how good he was, and that and that was like that was when it really clicked for me that I was like, I need to do something else in the meantime until I can like really be leaning into it. Like, Mm. and I mean, you know, you can start and and do it too, but I was like, this guy is the level that I'd want to be at. Right. And I know the work that's going to be involved in that. And I just, I just made the decision. I said, well, I'm, I'm just not going to go down that route right now. Are you a perfectionist? I used to be. Okay. I used to be. Yeah. And just unnecessarily. 
and I, I think some of it too is I think I think being a perfectionist is a cop out in some ways I think when you don't get shit done because of it yeah it's, it's a problem yeah it's like you can't be a perfectionist if your shit's not finished if you have no That's songs right. written like, <laughs> if it doesn't exist I think, it's I, pretty far from perfect yeah I, yeah. Yeah. I sort of use that That's as a guise for a little bit um, <laughs> that's good but I'm yeah. not anymore and it, you know what the best part the best thing to do for me was was start this podcast because then you really? talk you sneeze or something and I'm like fuck it I'm not editing that out it's just going up uh, well and people prefer that yeah they want to hear real people talking man exactly i mean they, that's they the thing performance. if if you're gonna make content of any kind make it real make it something that somebody can just like that's grab right. onto that's something i had to learn as well yeah you know i i think i uh fell victim to that a few times creating music in the past yeah yeah and now it's about leaving in the hiccups for sure because people just appreciate it yeah for me, it's like not focusing on little things. It's focusing on the bigger picture, mm-hmm. right? Does it work as a bigger picture? Does it make you feel the right feelings? Right. Does it communicate the overall overarching idea that you wanted to get across? Right. Okay. So if take three has that, then don't choose take one because you like to drum fill. Right. You know? Go with take three. Go with take three, man. Yeah, man. Zoom out a little bit. That's it. Yeah, and and that's that's one of the things, that's one of the things I appreciate about pop music, is like if you catch a melody and it's catchy, right? It's like oh yeah, it feels good. Yeah. You know, it's there's nothing else to it. It's just like yeah, I feel good in that. I feel good listening to that. And that's okay. And so many people get yeah, so <laughs> many know, people you get, don't have to go that get, get, much deeper into it all the time. Yeah, you know some some albums I want to listen to and listen to and be like wow that was. You know, that's that spoke to me in a certain way or whatever. Sure, sure. But sometimes you just want to hear something. And yeah. sometimes I think as an artist, you just need to get something out that somebody can hear. You know, I, I relate to that because oftentimes I've sat on things for too long. Yeah. And I just wrote a song. Nice. Recently, maybe a couple of days ago. Lyrics are still just still refining the lyrics a bit, but it all came really quickly. And I, I want to get into the studio immediately and record it while the feeling's still there. For sure. And not put it off. Do you know For what I mean? sure. I've had that same experience. I've written a couple songs in my life that I was like, I love this. Right. I want people to hear this. And then I just didn't play them again. Yeah. Now I forget them. <laughs> well, you <laughs> no, know, I mean, I could go back and, and do it again. Like, I, I, that's not entirely true. I don't forget them. But, but they're not. You don't connect with them in the same way you did. Yeah, that's when, right. It was a moment, and them. you should capitalize on that moment because it's you know it's so like um, it's so fleeting. Absolutely, it is very fleeting, and that's one of the biggest challenges of being a songwriter that I find is holding on to the feeling you had when you first created the tune, right? And communicating that night after night on stage, right? And sometimes even harder, creating that in the studio again. You know, sometimes you walk into a studio and you're you're in there for three hours before anything happens because the engineer's setting up drum mics. Right. And you're hearing a snare drum for 15 minutes straight. Right. And then you're hearing the kick drum. And then you gotta stay... F- it's a weird mix between focused and inspired. Yeah. And relaxed. And when that red button goes on and you're recording, you don't want to sort of contrive a feeling that you had when you first wrote the tune, but you want to connect with that feeling right. again. And that can be a tricky thing sometimes. It is. Do you do you believe in inspiration? What do you mean by that? I don't know. Like, do you get inspired by shit and then just go write a bunch of songs? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Do you, what about motivation? Like, do you wait, do you just sort of, like some days you're motivated, some days you're not? 
what role does that play in, in your life? I don't believe that... Well, I believe that everybody's creative process is different. And right. I have to respect everybody's process. Right. I take a bit from a lot of places I find. So I've heard Paul McCartney would get up sometimes in the morning and, and he would write a song regardless of how he felt. Because mm-hmm. that's just what he does. For sure. Right? It's like punching in almost. It's like punching the clock. It is. And I've tried that a few times and it's it's worked out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I haven't written a song for like seven months and then a little inspiration will hit and I'll write three songs in a week right. that I'm really happy with. So there's no real formula for me. Hmm. Um, but I do think there is something to be said for pushing yourself when you're not totally feeling it. Yeah, me too. You know, that was how I learned how to actually get things done. And I, and I learned it in the tech scene. Mm. I learned it in a sales role, which is like, you know, so unglamorous for, you know, people listening. It's like, you should have learned it. Actually, I'm fascinated. Yeah. So, so I get in there and then a lot of days, man, you just roll in there and you're like, for me at least naturally I didn't want to just sit down and pick up the phone right. I wasn't like let's let's just hit the phones all, all day I needed like five warm up calls like sort of how we start talking here right. before the podcast it's right. not the real podcast it's right. just a little warm up yes I needed a couple calls and so I call like a couple people if I got one of them I just give them the, the, the standard hey how you doing and as soon as I got one I was like oh yeah now I feel like doing my work yeah, it's like a snowball effect. Yeah. It starts rolling. And yeah. You're, you're, and if, you're in the groove. And if I didn't get any of them, I was like, well, I've already made five dials. I, you know, I might as well keep going. I got momentum. Right. Like, I, I just have some body of work behind me, so I wasn't starting. Mm-hmm. I'd just sort of catch myself five in or mm-hmm. just catch myself already started in the morning. And then I would just rip through the morning. Right. I would sit there, it'd be lunchtime. I'd, I'd take my head up, it was lunch. And I was like, okay, I got some work done this yeah, morning. I didn't feel like it right away. You know, it's, it's like starting a workout you don't feel like doing. Yeah. It's like starting a project, like you said. Yeah. The, the first step is always the hardest part. Yeah. But once you're in it, then you're moving and it's like, okay, you're yeah. warming up. The blood's flowing now. Yeah. You, you need some inertia. Like you need momentum to get going. Yes, you do. Yeah. A lot of times if if um, I have deadlines, yeah, those will help me as well. Yep. You know, if I have to do something, For sure. I'll get it done. For sure. Self-imposed deadlines are good. Yep. I, I I recommend people think about that. Yeah, and and habit formation, just in yes, general. Yes, too, exactly, hey? exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then when you're out of that, it's 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 harder to get back into it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's you tough, know? and it, you know, I, it, it's tough until you drag yourself to whatever it was you're doing, mm-hmm. and then you're five in, you're five minutes into it, and you're like, oh, I've already started. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I, I can't quit now. Yeah, and I, I I think the heavy hitters in any industry are the people that are prolific and relentless. Yeah, and like you said that is because you're doing it all the time yeah and it creates this this um this flow and uh it normalizes the amount of work that you're doing yeah right if that if that's the frequency you're living at then it's not hard anymore yeah you know you're still gonna face challenges but if you're used to a certain output then i think that's a good place to be yeah like i can only really accomplish anything if i'm working pretty obsessively at it i think i can relate to that yeah Yeah. i don't really have a like a healthy sort of like you know everyone talks about like oh work-life balance and all this stuff i i if i'm doing one thing you're in it i'm in it and i can't come out of it i literally can't like i'm the same way yeah i really am and i fought that for a long time and i killed you know like 
I was fighting that from the time I was like 20 until I was like 24. I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Why, 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 why not? I, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. I think it was like, you know, I saw some people around me who work like that and I was like, just like not overly inspired by that mm-hmm. kind of work. And I thought it just takes its toll on other, you know, on pe- yeah. people around you and stuff. And then when I realized that, like, I just have to work like that and then I have to, um, you know, give that attention to the other things and, and people in my life too. Um, that's when I sort of started figuring out and that's when I actually started getting shit done. Right. And, and that, again, that's, a, that's coming back that whole turn 27, feel like I'm 22. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I just know a little bit more about myself as to how I get things done. I actually feel like I can accomplish things. And then I, then I do accomplish a few things and I don't have to talk about accomplishing that's a few exactly things. It. I just got, I just got some shit done that's and exactly then it was finished it. and then yeah. on to the next. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you've actually done the thing, yeah, you don't need, you don't need to talk about it really. Yeah, you just let the work speak for itself. Exactly, and that's a great feeling, man. Yeah, I love that. It's like you didn't have to come in here and bring your guitar and be like, "Okay, John, I'm a musician," you know, <laughs> uh, inside Lou and Davis style. You know, play me something. Right. You right. just came on. I, I had you on Spotify. I was like, "Oh, here's your album." Yeah. You were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one." That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take me there. I've heard that one before. <laughs> Yeah, so it it really does, but like maybe that's the thing too. Maybe that's the whole to be Canadian. I just I just want Canadians to know more about how to do stuff, and then and then just go out and do more interesting stuff, and then right. share that. My advice is just do stuff. Yeah, me too. Just, just do it. Just man. try stuff. Like don't don't worry about how it's gonna look. It's it's gonna look. You're gonna look stupid for a little bit. You learn more from a loss than you do from a win. Yeah, you really do. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I I read this tweet the other day. It takes takes 10 hours of reading or research on any subject okay and you get a basic comprehension which is like 90 percent ahead of everybody really it takes 10 hours okay that that's probably the amount of research i did for this podcast this episode no or? not this episode this Damn, episode man, was man, you really yeah picked me up there for yeah a second, i know yeah, this episode <laughs> was 20 hours <laughs> um no just how to start it and do it it was like right. pro- probably 10 hours of like reading and promotion. And then I realized, found all the channels, found everything, got everything together. Yeah. And I was like, oh, look, now I know how to do it. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure that, uh, because you and I hung out, what, a, like three weeks ago, a month ago, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, which isn't a lot of time from that conversation to when you actually started the podcast. I'm, I'm sure you had this idea long before that, but you, you'd mentioned it to me pretty briefly. Right. And then you did it. And yeah. I thought, wow, you know. That's so rare, unfortunately. Yeah, you but just, I have so much just, respect for that. Yeah, thank you. And, and but that's cultivated. I wasn't always like that. Mm. I wasn't always like that. I admit. Somebody out there listening is like, "Oh, hey, you bastard! You said you'd start a project with me eight years ago." Right. And I was like, "Let's do it." Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nothing until you learn how to do that, and you have you have to you have to learn like in your body how it's to a, do that. Yeah. You just have to do it. That, that's right. You, you almost change the chemistry. Yeah, you do, which you can. You can Absolutely. do that yourself. Like, Absolutely. you know, I know, I know, you know, you're programmed a certain way, but you can reprogram. That's the beautiful thing about being human. Well put. Yeah. It's you can just, you can just one day wake up and decide that the character that you were yesterday is no longer your you, character. You really can. Yeah. You know, I, like, I don't think everybody, it's easier for some people than other people. Yeah. I think if you actually have some, some like, um, mental issues do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and there's actually some 
medical problems, right? It might be harder. It yeah, it will be. You know, it will be. Um, it it'll be harder, but I think I I, I get the sentiment right. you're going after, and, and right. And I do agree that a lot of the reason we hold ourselves back to 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 go back to what I said earlier is how you're raised, for sure, and the societal impositions that are put on you. Mm-hmm expectations Mm -hmm. that you don't have to live by you don't have to buy into them you really don't no that's the secret that is the secret you don't have to do it yeah man do whatever the fuck you want in life yeah that's what I loved about moving to Toronto really exactly that so the town I grew up in which I loved every second of growing up in um, tiny town I was one person and I sort of had to stay that one sort of person okay and then I made a move, but it wasn't a big move. It wasn't the move that I really wanted to do. And so I went and I sort of played it safe. I didn't really understand that you could do that. I moved to Toronto and I used to just wake up on like Saturday or Sunday mornings to just walk down Queen Street. Right. For no reason. Just, I was like, I, I like it. Queen Street's happening. There's, it's inspiring, isn't it? Yeah. And then I, I, I'd get like halfway down Queen Street and I'd be like, like nobody said hi to me. Nobody's mm. looked at me and I can be whoever I want to be. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot I can of do people, whatever I want. I think a lot of people move to a city for that. Yeah, they do. And it's, it's really refreshing. Right. Not to say the other end of having like a community and people, you know, and familiar faces isn't, but sometimes I think you can, you can let yourself get way too comfy. Absolutely. And what was good yesterday. I go down to New York city to play music. Right. Pretty often. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you, you, you get down there a fair bit. Mm. Yeah. And that's a very freeing feeling. Oh yeah, that, that I like when I get down there. It's yeah. it's just so fucking huge and so vast. And uh, it's New York. Yeah, it's, it's the awesome. Capital of the fucking world, man. Exactly. And you go down there, and your feet hit the pavement, and you're like, no one knows who I am. Oh man. And I'm just in this fucking weird sea of eccentric people and history and there's all this energy that's just moving a mile a minute. And it's so awesome. There is like a cleansing sort of freeing element to it, which I've talked about New York with people before. Not everybody agrees with me, but I find it a very freeing place to be. And because I grew up in Toronto, it's not like, like (laughs) to me, New York city makes Toronto look like a small town. Right. 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 So New York is like me. It's like my version of, a small town person moving to Toronto. Do you know what I mean? It's all relative. hundred percent. You know, I feel like I know this city like the back of my hand now. Yeah. So it's nice to go somewhere even bigger and denser and with more of a history and, and lose myself. Definitely. That's inspiring to me. I know, I know I can feel that your feet hitting the pavement. We you describe that. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can really feel that. Yeah. It's a tangible feeling. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's why people like to travel too. Is because, I, oh yeah, yeah. because, they, you know, we, we live relatively stationary or, or at least confined. Like even if you're not sitting at a desk, the area in which you move isn't that huge. Agreed. Right? Like not, it, it's not like this is brand new. Like I've never seen this before. Like mm-hmm. chances are, you know, like you, you've, you've seen the, those settings before. Yeah. So what, all of a sudden when you go travel, like when I went traveling for the first time when I was 20, I was like, oh my God. Like every step is like a, like you're discovering something new. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I, I say, I use this one like all the time. I say it in my life quite frequently, but I feel like I'm in a video game. Mm. Simulation theory, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for real, like I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm controlling the character. And then 
when I'm like, when I feel like I'm being a little bit passive or like just not, not going for that extra step. I'm like, if I was playing a video game right now, I just, I'd open that door. Right. Yeah. 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 Actually it's funny. I've, I've, I've made that same metaphor in my head before. Yeah. 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 It's, and, and that way too, it just lets you like push yourself beyond like what you see. Like you sort of zoom out over your character uh-huh. and then like you walk down the street. Like I, I can remember one, one thing very vividly was walking through um, the capital city in Bhutan okay. where I was at like six in the morning and like nobody was up. I was, it was just me. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. It must've been beautiful. It was, it was incredible. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, I've, I can't believe I'm here. Uh-huh. I can't believe nobody's awake. This is awesome. Everybody just sleeps into like <laughs> seven, seven thirty. Yeah. Then they get up and then like, you know, slowly the town. And then by eight thirty, everybody's up and, and goes. Hustle bustles. Yeah. Going on, yeah. But just that moment before the hustle bustle, which yeah. I love Calm anyway. The storm. Yeah. 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 There's some magic in that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, Marlon, we've been chatting for a long time. How long has it been? Yeah, it's uh, like over an hour. Wow. I know. Damn. I know. Doesn't and feel like it. No. I'm having fun. And no no script. See, we're just flying by the seat of our pants. And I'm loving it. I rehearsed all this, man, before yeah. I came over. <laughs> yeah. How'd you know what I was going to say? Uh, I know you well enough. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just that good at yeah, reading not people. not say you're going to be predictable, but... Uh, no no scripts. Yep. Just, yeah, man. Just two guys, yep. two microphones. I'm telling you. It's that easy. <laughs> it's that easy. Exactly. Um... Yeah, well, hey, um, let's wrap this up for episode one. Uh, but I know you're going to be back on the pod. I know you're going to be putting uh, putting some music out, so we're going to get you back in. Maybe if this living room studio turns into a real studio, too, we'll get you playing some music in here sometime. I would love to. Yeah, that'd be unreal. Let's do it. All right, well, Marlon Chaplin, living room studio, episode three of 2B Canadian. Thanks so much for coming by. Cheers, John. Appreciate it, buddy. Cheers. Cheers.